0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Goal Change Podcast. The podcast are interesting careers some some footballers now have following their retirement. I'm your host, Adam Holt. Today's guest is Andy Hunt, the ex-West Brom, Newcastle United and Charlton player, now runs the Belize Jungle Drone, an adventure park which is also home to accommodation and football coaching. The podcast music you can hear was provided by thepodcasthost.com and LTU podcast maker find your own free podcast music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music that's thepodcasthost.com slash free music you can find the link to this and other music they offer in the description of this episode i hope you enjoy the conversation to start off with um going to go through your playing career first because i thought you know they'll give the listeners a good background into you into, you, into yourself and how you got to where you are now so the first thing I wanted to ask was um, who or what inspired you to pursue Korean football in the first place?
1: Um, I was a late starter to football, but I guess um, what I I used to watch a lot of football on TV. I was a, 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 a lo- I really like watching Liverpool. That was back in the sort of seventies and eighties when they were well. Actually, I mean they're really good again now, aren't they? But um, so I suppose uh, that was my love of the game. But I would probably say my dad um was, was my my inspiration because um uh he really loved the game uh big fan and um brought me up to and my and my brother to to play football it was a it was a big in our family um so i would say probably my dad and and, and maybe well i don't want to ignore my mum of course um but I, I but they were both extremely um supportive so I suppose the inspiration probably came from them. Um, and, uh, you know, our weekends very much involved, you know, football on a Saturday, football on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that's where it stems from. And and, and I just kind of ran with it after, uh, after you know, when, once I got sort of out of school and college and kept going and, and was fortunate enough that... Um, I got my breaks and and took advantage of them.
0: I see that you started at Kettering Town. I wanted to ask what that experience was like because grassroots and non-league football is vastly different to the professional game.
1: So when I was I was actually at King. It's it's the two teams that I were at at that stage. I think have pretty much flipped uh, um, situations in the non-league now because. I was at Kings Lynn, who are now where Kettering were when I was at Kettering. So I started at King Kings. Well, I started in my local village. I never really got any breaks with uh, with any any professional clubs. I did have some um, couple of trials with Norwich, but <laughs> it didn't work out. And I I was at Kings in college, studying and. I, I, I sort of squeezed my way into the first team a little bit. And then um, Kettering, Kettering, we played Kettering and, and they asked me to, in a pre-season friendly, and I got a phone call um, on the Monday morning from the manager to ask me to go to Kettering. I was at, I was at uh, Aviva now, it's called, in Norwich, working there. And so I was sitting at my desk and I got a phone call uh, and I I spoke to the manager and they invited me to go training on the Tuesday night. So Kettering is a long way from Norfolk or from Norwich where I was, uh, where I was working. And uh, so it was about a two and a half, three hour drive from where I lived. But I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. So I drove to Kettering. I trained and they, and then I got a phone call, you know, the next, I don't remember the next day or so and they wanted me to sign for them. So that was a big step up, I think uh, going to Kettering because it was, they were what was called the conference and the season would had just started. And they had a lot of very experienced professional ex-professional players. They had a lot of young guys who perhaps who'd been released uh, from contracts um, from professional clubs. So the standard was good, um, and of course, the sort of competitiveness and rivalry was was intense. And uh, I was just a a young, very inexperienced kid, uh, you know, diving into that. Um, so that was a that was a shock uh, because you know you deal you, you're suddenly. Th- thrust into a, a, an atmo- a, a, almost a professional atmosphere and, and no matter what people say to you about football and it's it is a brutal world and uh, you, you you know people want to win games people want to play they don't want to give up their positions um, and you have to find your way through that uh, you know that maze um, so yeah catherine was a was a big eye opener, but definitely got me prepared for uh, what was to come next.
0: Yeah, so it's in, interesting that you then moved to Newcastle. And um, what was that experience like, and how do you reflect on it? And I imagine it was a big contrast between between them and Catering. Uh,
1: it was uh, going to going to Newcastle was um, I had to think about it. I had, I mean, I was playing it. <laughs> strangely enough most people would say what do you mean you have to think about it and that's what jim smith said to me when i went to st james's park because i told they showed me around and they agreed a contract and i said well i'm going to go home for the weekend uh and think about it which just seemed kind of normal for me but he he was flabbergasted he thought he was he was just he just couldn't believe that i wouldn't just sign there and then so but i did go home and i did think about it and i did sign and and um but, you know, as you as you can see now, and, and the, the, it is a bit of a cliche when they, they talk about clubs being big clubs. Uh, but of course, Newcastle is absolutely huge. Um, you know, such a such a, 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 a large fan base and um, passionate like you wouldn't believe about football. And so going there and living and breathing football for the first time. um. took some getting used to full-time training. Um, I was used to a busy life. I was used to working. I was used to, you know, getting up early in the mornings, uh, working full days and, and, um, or being at college and studying and then then getting a job. And even when I was in the semi-pro, I was just used to being busy. So when, when I turned pro, that was, Something I wasn't used to. You know, we started training at 10 30 in the morning. We'd probably be done by, you know, 12 31 o'clock. You'd be home by two. Um, and you've got the rest of the day for yourself. Um, and it can get pretty boring, actually, pretty dull if you've got nothing else to do. So that was that was one of the hardest things to to get used to, was just literally the amount of time I had on my hands. So um, and of course, the, the the playing was 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 excellent. I mean, everybody just loves to play football. If you're a footballer, you want to play football, then that's what we did every day. Uh, at the time we were at Benwell when I first signed, which was up on the hill, and it was so windy and so cold every day going in there. But the, um, the Geordie lads, <laughs> the young lads that were there with me, they were T-shirt and shorts almost all year round. But... Um, they, they breed them tough up there in Newcastle um, I guess you have to be because of the weather but, um, you know, we us southern softies we used to have to wrap up with the woolly hats and gloves and long pants and, and all that kind of thing, because uh, it was it, it was it was it was rough being up on that hill training every day. Um, so, but yeah, getting used to the environment again, you know, as competitive and as, as, as tough as it was at Kettering, it got cranked up another notch at Newcastle. Um, I was vying for spots with, um, with older, senior, well-travelled, successful strikers um, and, you know, they certainly didn't want to give their spot up for me.
0: Yeah, so imagine the press—the pressure just, like say, ramps up in the, in the three, four notches and as well as I don't want to keep in the team, but you joined West Brom afterwards. Um, safe to say you enjoyed that, that time there then and uh, all the success you had.
1: Yeah, um, so at West Brom, so I had a bit of a... Uh, I, 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 so Jim Smith came to Newcastle and then he got fired. Um, so Ozzy Ardelis came. And he was brilliant to play with, but he loved to play the young guys, which I was one of them. Um, but we weren't very successful. We had a lot of very exciting games with a lot of goals in both ends. Aussie um, was a great manager, but I think some of his shortcomings were his work on the defensive side of things. But well, we had a good time and we were playing some nice football, but Aussie um, didn't last long. And he went to West Brom. Keegan came to Newcastle. Um, he didn't. I didn't really fit his uh, plans. So um, after about a year of being in the reserves, I was doing well. I was playing and scoring a lot of goals, but he just never really uh, wanted to give me a chance in the first team. So when Aussie went to West Brom and they were in the playoffs, he contacted me and, and Keegan told me and said, "Look, I recommend you go." um and if the coach manager tells you that you probably should go then you probably should go so I did um and I went I went to the Hawthorns and I met Ozzy and I saw a game and um and I loved it and so yeah I I signed up for West Brom and um had an excellent career there really really great club and I was there for five years so you know
0: you had lots of great experiences in your career, like you're saying with promotion with Charlton and West Brom. Which which promotion would you say um, makes makes you most proud?
1: They were different. So at West Brom, I came in at the end of the season, the last 11, 11 games or thirteen games thirteen games of the playoffs. The club were just outside the playoffs, and I think they bought me to just give them a um, a bit of extra um, option up, up top, up front. And and, and uh, so I came into a club that was that was sort of successful, but the pressure was pretty high because we were outside of the playoffs and, and we needed to get back into it. So we, we got into the playoffs, got into the, mm-hmm. um, uh, the final at Wembley and won that comfortably. Um, so there was a lot of... You know the semi-final against Swansea was, was the atmosphere was um, was incredible at the Hawthorns. So that was unique in its own way. When I went to Charlton, it was totally different. Charlton got promoted to the Premier League, and they 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 they, well, they didn't buy me. I, I, my contract ran out at West Brom because I didn't want to stay at West Brom anymore. I'd had five years and and and, and about six or seven managers, and it and, and it wasn't getting any better. So. I didn't really want to stay and, I, and I, I felt like I'd done well at West Brom um, and I really wanted a chance at, 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 at a higher level. So Charlton came in and, and, you know, when I was out of contract, they came in straight away, which was nice to hear. And But we went into the Premier League and so so it was different. You know, Charlton were, were, had had a really successful season, but I dived in with them at, at the, the Premier League stage and we really struggled. So then we got relegated back down to the championship, but I think looking back, probably the championship season was was a was better for me. Held more memories. It was a full season. Um, you know, we played. I was part of the team from the beginning to the end of that season, um, and we we were the champions. We won it. Uh, we won it at a walk in the end. I mean, we were so far ahead, but um so I think that season probably tops the the promotion for West Brom um only because you know at West Brom I came in right at the end as opposed to being a part of the whole whole thing. I think when you're there from the start you 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 you, you, you get more used to your teammates you, you 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 go through the journey together and it's more exciting uh, not to say it wasn't at West Brom at the end because um, because any promotion any, playoff games, any, any trip to Wembley in the final is, is just, you know, something you never
0: forget. So would you say that relegation with Charlton was a blessing in disguise in terms of how enjoyable the next season was and the uh, success of uh, winning the title?
1: Uh, I mean, kind of, uh, I think, I think it's difficult for teams going, I mean, look at Norwich right now, you know, it's, it's, it's Charlton was sort of in a similar situation. Um they didn't want to overspend. So they were looking for bargains. I was one of them. I I think Neil Redfern was another one and a few others. Um, And so I guess Charlton were, were a a really well-run club, um, but making that step up with, with, with bargain players is difficult. Um, They can't go and spend top, top money on, on, on the best and most experienced players. And, and there is a gap um, between the championship and the Premier League. And, the, you know, the Premier League is, is just full of high quality players. So, and the game is a little bit different. You have to get uh, adjusted to it. So, you know, I think it, it definitely um, gave us a, motiv- a big motivation to get back up into the Premier League. Uh, Not that you need it. I mean, you know, going into the championship was still something really exciting. It was a little bit disappointing to have to get relegated, but um, we never had, uh, we never needed any any sort of push to want to get back into that. We did have a slight blip at the start of the the following season, and Kerbs, our coach, was uh, the first time I really saw him mad. It was when we were at Fulham, and he, you know, he, he was really disappointed in our performance, uh, our start to the season. And um, but we got we got it together and went on a a record, you know, winning run. And you know, by Christmas, I think we were top of the league, and and we never looked back. We just kept going, and uh, we we had a very very good team.
0: So thought now we can move on to what you do now with the Belize Jungle Drone. I first wanted to ask you about what initially inspired you to. To you know, start that business. What 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 inspired that move?
1: Well, I'd been out to Belize and 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 we'd seen property when while we were here, and we always thought it might be nice to to move move somewhere where the sun shines a bit more. And um, for me, it came my retirement came a little bit early. Uh, I got I got uh, something called chronic fatigue when I was at Charlton, and so. I, I wasn't able to continue my career after thirty. I had to retire. So I, you know, it was it was it was a case of deciding what to do. I didn't know what I was going to be able to do um, after football, and I'd, I'd had four years, two years at college. I did another two years at college when I was at West Brom. That takes me back to the to the to the the point about having so much spare time on your hands. You know, I. I think, it's, uh, I think it should be almost compulsory for every footballer to have to study um, because they have a lot of spare time. And um, I, I think it would be really important. I mean, I'm, this is what I'm sort of involved with now uh, with young players um, in that we, we, we want them to have their educations because you cannot depend upon football. You cannot rely upon it um, you know, I know a lot of players who've struggled at the end of their careers and, and, and after their careers and, and, and are having a hard time. Uh, so it's important while you have the opportunity and while you have the time to educate yourself and take advantage of it. So um, I've I done business in tourism. When we were out here, Belize has a, a lot of um, uh, tourists visit the country. So we, we sort of slowly evolved into doing something here. It wasn't really part of the plan, but um, we, we had a we, we got some land and a big property and we started to convert rooms and you know people would come we're next to another a big equestrian center where a lot of big a lot of horse riding. So it, it just evolved really and, and and one room went to two, to three, to four to five. Um and and you know, we started to add a vehicle here and a vehicle there and we we became a sort of an all-encompassing sort of travel company, uh, taking people to to uh, various um, destinations within the country, and um, a lot of really interesting and exciting historical and you know adrenaline-fueled uh, adventures that you can do here. So um, that was what we we sort of fell into and um, did it for quite some time up until up until COVID hit and and the tourism. Uh, tailed off
0: so, so basically the tourism and the environment and the sight and the sightseeing they can do in the country is really what and the wildlife of course is really what to the country but how how difficult was it um to keep it to keep the business going during during covid we don't
1: have a business it stopped <laughs> so it was impossible yeah <laughs> excuse me um because tourism stopped and um, and and it's 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 impossible for small companies now to operate because uh, well I don't know if the rules are changing now but um, the 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 regulations and the restrictions I don't know what it's like in the UK but but you just as a small um, hotel a small lodge you just don't have the the resources to be able to. Um, adhere to all the requirements that, are, that that are needed. I mean, at one point through COVID, uh, we were requested to install a a a, a kind of quarantine room in the property. You know, like set it up like a, like a hospital almost. And I mean, you know, people just don't have that kind of resource. So, um, you know, the, the there weren't. No one was coming anyway so basically income just flatlined there was nothing left there was no income so you know but we, but we were constantly being asked to do all these things to maintain uh, ourselves as a, as a as a viable business for when tourism returned which it still hasn't really um and so you know you just say well we can't do that i mean i don't know how people are doing it here in, in in the country, I don't know how other countries are, are, are handling it, but um, but they were, we but we were expected to be uh, doctors, nurses, and, and 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 a hospital, and um, at one point, you know, for for people in case they got sick or whatever. So so it was almost like the responsibility of sick tourists was being pushed towards uh, lodges like ours to look to care for them. But of course, we don't have that kind of expertise, so yeah, it, it was tough. It was, but although actually, having said that, for me, I, I, I was, I was good. We have a nice uh, property here, and, and and we live in a beautiful part of the country, and it's remote. So even through the sort of worst times of COVID, when all the restrictions were in place, we we uh, we were able to live a fairly normal life back here.
0: Yeah, I mean, UK is similar in terms of you know, there was two, three lockdowns, but now. All the restrictions are gone, but that doesn't mean that, you know, many small businesses haven't struggled over here too. So yeah, I think it was a difficult time for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of regaining normality again in, in England, the UK uh, here too. Um, but yeah, for sure for the two years where through it was, was really hard. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, um, yeah, you, you 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 as a business you don't really get support, um, and so yeah, so we 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 kind of made the decision that it wasn't worth battling with 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 all the requirements that were needed for something that we thought might never return, um, and still hasn't yet really. So so we're still closed.
0: I was in the early stages of setting up the Jungle drone, what do you say is the most, was the most um, difficult challenges that you faced in initially making it known it was, it was there for people to visit?
1: Yeah, well, we don't have passing traffic here. It's not like you're on the beach in um, Tenerife or <laughs> Cancun or Playa del Carmen or Mallorca or somewhere. It's 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 out in the sticks, you know, Uh, we're we're remote, so there's no passing traffic, you know, you're not picking up customers. So it was all done online um, and we we spent the first couple of years really learning um, the Internet marketing, uh, learning uh, search engine optimizing, learning Facebook wasn't around then when it when we started. but learning the marketing side of it and how to how to uh, find your customers um, online, and, and that's what we did, and it worked. And it didn't take long. I mean, I mean, we the word of mouth traveled. It, it was quick. We got in guidebooks very fast, and um, I don't know. It just it just it just uh, blossomed very fast. Uh, hard to say why. I think tourism back in 2005, six, seven, eight was was really good. Uh, then I think was it 2008 we had the, the what do you call that now the financial crash um, banking um, was it then I think it was yeah right? it was um, 2008 yeah yeah so that made a bit of a dent it wasn't as bad as we thought for travel and tourism but um, that's how we started and that's how we maintained it. it was all online I mean you know travel now is all done online isn't it um Uh, you just go to a website you find your flight find everything you need to know you can check reviews on places and uh, very quickly find out um, everything you need to know about the place so that's how we did it Um, it took a bit of re-educating because that that was a fairly new phenomenon a new business for us and and uh, and 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 doing the online marketing as well uh, was was new but um, but we we did it well we got we we got it we got it uh, up and running really quickly
0: so so over over the years of um when it's from when it started up to the, up to now how difficult has been to like adapt to um te- uh, technology changes and trying to keep reaching people but also using all the new methods like when facebook emerged and when uh, twitter merged
1: yeah no it wasn't it wasn't hard at all once i mean the initial stages um it was really Google uh, was the first um, way to to get yourself noticed. It was about getting on the front page of Google for the search terms of Belize holiday. Like we're in America mostly, our, our, our customers are from America, so it was um, Americans and Canadians. Well, they don't really use the term holiday, so you don't use the term holiday for Americans. You use the term vacation, and so release vacation, release vacations, release vacation packages, et cetera, et cetera. So you you basically start targeting these keywords and um, and get yourself as high up on the rankings as you can. Uh, and we were able to do that because back then we were we were one of the first, we were one of the first to have a swimming pool on the mainland, um, as, as, as strange as this sounds. And I think we were one of the first to start the search engine optimizing, it wasn't many. So, Actually, it was, it was pretty easy because, because um, Google actually provided all the information for you. You were able to find out. There were a lot of websites set up on how to do this, so you could just learn it, um, and that's what we did. Uh, and, and, and keeping up wasn't so tricky because we were well-established. Um, I think one of the big issues that you have online is, is, is the – verification the, the validity of of the information that you find and that doesn't just include tourism does it it's 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 politics it's sports it's everything because there's a lot of nonsense posted on the internet um, so uh, you know we were reputable we were well established we got good reviews we uh, I think we did a good job with people. Um, over the years, and with, with people travelling, and so our reputation was good. And um, so it was just really a way of just enhancing it. We added, we brought Facebook into it. We didn't, we never used Twitter. We didn't use Instagram. Um, we added fa- and Facebook uh, is, is a marketer's dream, whether you like it or loathe it. It's um, you know the customer gives you all the information. So we're we're diving off into a sort of business and. Marketing chat now, aren't we? Yeah, uh, um, I don't know if that's all right or not.
0: That's fine, or, That's fine. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. So yeah. So so Facebook came along, and and that that was really easy to 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 use because they they basically give you the customers. They tell you how to target who they are, where they're from, and what their interests. I mean, the customers have already already given all their information. The the users of Facebook. Uh, have already passed on all their information so so it's it's for them it's like it's it's just connecting the, the business to the to the to the facebook user um so that worked quite quite nice as well for us and we learned that very quickly so uh yeah but of course now we i don't know it's evolved again and i haven't really been sort of watching too much uh how it how it's happening at the moment but um yeah no doubt no doubt there'll be an, a, a further involvement of 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 you know how you get your customers but um we'll have to
0: wait and see right yeah i mean i'm guessing it's all about making sure you keep yourself in the public eye for when tourism increases again you can um get new customers and obviously um previous customers can come back again
1: yeah, there's that. I mean, it's not, it's not so hard. I mean, we, we, we still have very good presence uh, if, we, if we decide to start up again. So we'll just wait and see. Uh, right now, it just feels like you're, 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 you're swimming upstream constantly. So um, I think we'll, we'll just sit out and wait and see what happens.
0: So in previous years, what would you say is the most thing most, you've most enjoyed about running the jungle drive?
1: I think we 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 got a lot of very uh sort of weird and wonderful, often wacky people coming here and uh just meeting some yeah, a lot of people from different backgrounds and, and stuff like that. I mean my kids were born here, they grew up here, so they had a great uh childhood. Uh we're next to the river, you know, like like you know, we used to take people out fishing and um obviously being one of the um being involved in the business we we had to we had to keep up with what was interesting to do so so you know um our work trips could be a trip to the islands to stay at a hotel for three days a resort you know and 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 check it out and we used to get a lot of invitations uh to to do that so that was definitely one of the perks of the job i I would say was that we were we were invited to here, there, and everywhere to to experience, um, you know, some of the best parts of, of the country, and um, oftentimes it was complimentary because um, because people want to work with you. So uh, I, that that was that was definitely one of the nice things and one of the perks of the job for sure. I mean, it was it, it got pretty intense at times because um, when you're full, you you're definitely very busy, but. Um, But overall, it was a great experience for sure.
0: What say is your uh, the the most popular and favorite um, activities that that, um, are at the Jungle drone?
1: A lot of people used to like the cave tubing, which was uh, where you would, uh, um, you float through the rivers, through the caves on a big sort of inflatable tube um and so that's kind of fun not too hard not too easy but you know just just nice uh one of the i guess the trip that people most enjoyed was one called atm which was uh, actum to nitchell McNow, if i can say it properly i know i'm sure the guys that do the trip will be cringing when they hear me say it that way but um that that's like a sacrificial chamber and a lot of old artifacts and pots and uh, has huge significance uh, in, 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 in the or archeological history of the country. Um, and, and it's amazing that people can actually go in there. So it's a quite an Indiana Jones-style trip. Um, and that, was, that, was, that wasn't one that was sort of numbers-wise. I guess there were other trips where pe- more people would go because this one was fairly limited um, on the numbers that could go inside the cave. Um, and then we have some nice temples, Mayan temples, uh, Shantanich and uh, Karakol, there's a few others um, you know the old ancient temples which people used to like to visit so yeah we have horse riding right here which through the jungle so you you know get to see the, the, the howler monkeys and the crocodiles and the parrots and toucans and, and all kinds so uh, um, that's another popular trip
0: So finally what, what do you enjoy most about the, the uh, football coaching side uh, side in Belize, and what do you say is how that experience so far?
1: Well, I've been doing it for six or seven years, and um, um, we've reached a quite an interesting stage with it now. I mean, literally, you know, today uh, we are talking. We've got one other another kid that's that's going off to college in America, uh, United States. We've got four. Probably by the time you release this, it will be more. But I think at the moment we have four players that are heading out um, who've who've we've developed and um, and they're moving on to bigger things, going to semi-pro clubs and and going to further their studies and play at good good colleges in America. So that's been a lot of fun uh, to put that together. I'm actually working with a company in the UK and and. Uh, um, and we've we've uh, been we've been putting this together for quite a few years, um, trying to. We, we they call it pathways. I mean, it's a, that's the sort of buzzword about creating pathways for youngsters. And I, I I touched on it earlier in the interview about you know how important it is for youngsters to and i don't even mean youngsters it could be in your 20s your 30s but to take advantage of spare time that you might have and and stay educated so so i'm i'm very enthusiastic about this and 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 i i firmly believe i mean even now and i'm 51 um in my spare time and i'm and i'm back at university i'm i'm doing i've been doing a, a um fc barcelona have a have a, their own university, I guess, or, or, you know, uh, what they call it, the uh, the BASA Innovation Hub. And so they do sort of, you know, four month, five month, six month courses, uh, degrees and stuff like this. And so I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm halfway through a sort of sports and and technology, you know, related course. Uh, I've just signed up for an advanced tactical analysis course. I've been doing... Um, I've been doing uh, studies with uh, the Professional Football Scouts Association in in the UK and um, I've been through their sort of suite of of courses on performance analysis and talent identification and uh, opposition analysis. And so I've I've really been, you know, uh, doing a lot of intense um, studies on, on, you know, football from behind the scenes and what's happening, and I've, I've, I've become uh, um, um, fairly skilled at, uh, or, or learning the skills of uh, analysis, uh, video analysis, and, and performance analysis, and player sort of uh, data and, and key performance indicators and all this kind of stuff, and and, and breaking down players' games and. Um, so that's something that I'm interested in. And, and so I've really, this has actually been the most enjoyable part for me is to, is to introduce this here in, in Belize and, and, and start to perhaps um, bring the level up the best I can. And, and, and uh, um, yeah, I, I enjoy that side of the technology side of, of, of the sport and um, we're a little limited on funds and resources here. Um, unfortunately it's, it's, it's kind of hard to get support from within the country, but, um, fortunately for me, I'm able to provide some things. So, um, you know, it hasn't stopped us and, uh, yeah, the results are great. We're getting this first group and and a whole bunch of them are going to be heading out and, and doing great things.
0: It all sounds fantastic. And, um, Thank you for coming on this, um, well, talking to me. Cheers, Adam. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Goal Change Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy Hunt. He shared some great insights into not only his professional career as a footballer, but also into the experience of running the Belize Jungle Drive. Keep an eye out for the second episode, which will be released soon. You can find all updates regarding this podcast via, uh, via the official Twitter page, which you can find at GoldChangePod. I will also post updates on my personal Twitter page, which you can find at Holtjourno. That's H-O-L-T-J-O-U-R-N-O. I'm your host, Adam Holt. See you in the next episode of the Gold Change Podcast.